and also don't be afraid too. There was definitely some fear. I think that a lot of fear was a lot of what held me back from getting treatment for so long and really being authentic with myself that listen to you've got something more than the average bear here that you can't deal with on your own. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge. I really appreciate having you today. Today we have a guest by the name of Paul Sokol. I met him, I think, four, five, six years ago, but we didn't connect then. We actually connected the first time um, when I saw him post. I'm going to tell you how I met him soon, but I first want to tell you that I, after we connected, I saw him post about um, a struggle he was going through. I was so in awe of his openness and his willing to share and reaching out that I right away reached out to him like, wow, Paul, continue doing what you're doing and let's continue breaking the stigma. How are you? What's going on? So we're going to go into that a little bit later on in the program, but I just wanted to really thank you so much because Paul is a very busy guy. I, um, I met Paul in Infusionsoft in one of their big events, I think five or six years ago. Paul was still walk- working for them. He was one of the brains behind all of the clicking and um, scheduling and all the, the things that we don't understand. And (laughs) when he left Infusionsoft, um, he put on a a big shout out. I I left, but I'm still with them in my heart and I'm continuing with their software. My husband, Ari, reached out to him and he said, hey, can we work together? So we did some business together as well. And when I I was dreaming about my podcast, I right away said, Paul is going to be on my show list. So... Thank you for joining me here today, Paul. You're very welcome, Atana. I'm excited. This is uh, going to be a really fun conversation, and I think it'll be a little bit different than the usual types of podcasts that I'm on. What is the usual? Well, usually they're a lot more business-oriented, and if I understand, this is maybe a little bit more of the, the, the personal, you know, just the mental stuff Right. That we all deal with as entrepreneurs. Yeah, and also non-entrepreneurs, just regular human beings, even children, adults, post-work people. Yeah. I want you to give a little bit of a background on who you are, a little bit of where you grew up, that they should just know who they're talking to. Sure, sure. So I'm originally a Florida native. I was born in Sarasota, Florida, Mm -hmm. and then I was born and raised there until I went to college in Orlando, the University of Central Florida. Go Knights. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up getting both my bachelor's and my master's there in electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say that I've never actually used my degree for anything professionally. Is so, that true? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was it was very interesting having a master's. It was a it was a catch twenty two 
because when I was applying for jobs, they also needed five to seven years experience for any job that required a master's. And of course, I was coming right out of college. I didn't have that. And I ended up just deciding to continue with what I was doing when I was in college, which was business stuff. Uh-huh. I started off in selling Cutco. Are you serious? In- yeah, yeah. Do you know in- that today? Today, I had a call with one of the, you know, Mr. Thank You? Mr. Thank You. I love his name. John Israel. John Israel. He was like the number one sales guy in Cutco. And he was promoted and promoted and promoted. The name sounds familiar. It's been a while since I've been in the community. Two Cutcos in one day. (laughs) Right? It's a fantastic opportunity. And for anybody that's looking to get into business, a really important skill is to be able to sell. And there's no better way than going right into the fire and doing direct sales in people's homes and selling them knives. And so I did that for a few years. I was the assistant manager in the Orlando office mm-hmm. for a couple of years as well. And in two, I think it was 2006, we were the number one office in the entire company. We sold wow. $1.6, $1.7 million of the knives. And I was the only full-time assistant manager during that year. So from there... Once, uh, once I left Cutco, I was invited to start a video email company with one of my uh, good friends and mentors, Will Franco, and we started Jive Systems. And so I took the direct sales skills that I had and transitioned to the online world. And I've been doing that ever since. And I can't think of any situation where my sales experience hasn't helped me in some form or fashion, whether it's positioning a message or actually making the sale, understanding the psychology of folks. And I feel that direct sales is a a really important skill for any kind of entrepreneur, especially if you're a solopreneur. You you do need to know how to sell Mm -hmm. what it is that you're selling Mm -hmm. because there's so many other hats that you wear as an entrepreneur. And so Mm -hmm. if you have that sales skill in your back pocket, that's one less thing that you have to learn. And there's a lot of stuff to learn when you're going out on your own. Yeah. And then how did you end up in Infusionsoft? So I've been an Infusionsoft customer since 2008. That was the CRM that we used at Jive Systems. And then in, at the end of my master's, the agreement was always, I'm going to help Will get the company started. And then when you have your degree, go off, go do your own thing. So the company was up and running in full force by then. So I ended up switching coasts to, from Florida to San Diego literally overnight. It was a 24-hour wow. opportunity. I packed everything up into a backpack wow. and grabbed my skateboard and my laptop bag and swapped coasts. And after that project, I was still on the West Coast, and I had the opportunity either to stay there and try and figure it out or move back to Florida and, and live with my parents again, which I had no interest in doing. And that's when my buddy Will suggested, hey, you know how to use Infusionsoft very well. They're out there on, on the West Coast. Go ahead and apply. Mm-hmm. And they had a success coach position open, which was almost exactly what I was doing at Jive Systems. When people first signed up for a video email account, I was helping them get started, get the software installed, teaching them how to use it. And so transitioning those coaching skills to Infusionsoft was natural. And then I started at Infusionsoft in the summer of 2011 as a success coach. And then about a year or so later, I got pulled into the product team. And then I was in the product team through the rest of my career there. And my, my two favorite parts of that job were the campaign of the month. So I was the guy that actually got to once a month research, develop, 
release produced all the tutorials for those campaigns of the month that we did and i want to say that we released probably about 70 or so in the in the two to three years that we did that program and then i also got an opportunity to write the official infusion soft cookbook while cookbook, I was right i remember and that what's what's cool is that even though the, the user interface has changed the strategies are still absolutely very relevant and that book is packed with uh, strategy and a lot of email copies to swipe and things like that. So it's it still sells. People still buy it and they wow. still love it. And then from there, uh, May 2016, off on my own, running my own agency. And then I've worked with a couple other agencies since then. My passion has still always been small business success and helping people be successful with that because it's not hard and people don't know what they don't know. Right. And so I'm on a mission to help people go from not knowing to knowing and doing it in a way that they can be confident with the strategies and the tactics that they're learning that it can it can work for them because it's worked for many other people. What made you leave Infusionsoft? Them. Oh. <laughs> they were they were minimizing the company. What what was going on? So, oh, you I got think, too good for them. I don't think it's I don't think it's that. It was the the main catalyst for that was we were on the it was me and a couple other guys on research and development for the small business success method and that was part of product and since day one we were told we figure out the tools we discover the distinctions and the conversations and then that gets thrown over to the training team to train the coaches come time to actually run the training the training team for whatever reason, didn't decide to do it. And that was really upsetting to me. And I probably could have responded a little bit better. Uh, it was clear, though, that my time was kind of up at that point. And there was a lot of emotions during that period. Mm -hmm. And I was super salty. And it, it impacted my own identity and, and my self-worth and, mm -hmm. and all that jazz. And now I'm they did what they did. And I would have most likely gotten canned later that year anyway because they did a huge round of layoffs in right. product that December. So, uh, which included most of the team I was on was out. So right. I only would have had another maybe five, six months right. if, if I had stayed. So it worked out perfectly. Gave me the opportunity, like you said, to announce that, Hey, I'm on my own. I'm still committed to small businesses and build the launch list. And then that bought me some time to figure out what am I actually offering as an agency? What's my pricing? How do I fulfill all of that stuff? And then I was able to launch it and get it out the door. It's very needed. successful. Well, thank you. I'd, I'd like to think that I'm reasonably successful. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just getting more, more in successful. I've only been on my own, you know, since about 2016. So I can't expect to be yeah, a millionaire or whatever by now, but we're, we're getting there. And I've skilled up really hard since yeah. then, especially on the traffic part of things. Right. Because Infusionsoft is really great once you have a lead, once you have a name and an email, following up with them. Right. However, they, there's there's a very different art to getting to getting that lead in the first place, to driving that traffic. And so, for the past few years, I've invested my own money, invested my clients' money in running ads and right. getting results for them. And uh, I've got a lot better since since we worked together. In yeah. fact, if, if, if we had worked together today, I'd, I'd probably approach things a little differently as far as right. what, what we were doing here. And uh, in any case, that's, that's yeah, what but, I've been up to. And I yeah, love running but, but you learn on the job. That's what it is, especially mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. We fail, we stand up, we walk again, we try to learn. We try to grieve for as short as possible, get up motivated again the next day. 
I'm going to bring this back to, to mental health because I feel like uh, life of an entrepreneur is very um, fragile emotionally. And when we struggle with mental health, we can really hit a brick wall and have really hard days. And it gets lonely because we don't have the people that we could talk to in the office and say, hey, you have a hard day. What's going on? So how do you deal with that? How do you go from having... So let, let's back up a little bit. I want to give a background on, on your mental health. What, at what point did you discover that um, you're battling something? And what was it that you were battling? So my entire life, even even as a kid, but most most of my life, I'd always been I'd get in trouble for my emotional reactions to stuff, uh, overreacting or, or whatever the case is, and that was certainly the case uh, at Infusionsoft. People understood that my heart was in a good place, and sometimes I would throw really hard and sharp sometimes with my words, and and I didn't really understand what I do now, like the relationship piece, and so in. Actually, it was about a year ago. I had a full-blown mental breakdown. I was gonna go ahead and kill myself, and my uh, my my partner in crime, Brina, was a stand for me. She, I mean, she did everything right. Cops got involved. I got carted away. Spent the night in a psych ward, and even after that, it still took me a lot of cajoling from her to actually go get evaluated properly. And that's when I learned that. Uh, surprise, I've got borderline personality disorder. And when that happened, a lot of things fell into place. A lot of my behaviors made sense. A lot of my reactions to stuff made sense. My, my very, my identity and how fluid that can be and how it's based on either how others around me are feeling or how I'm feeling from moment to moment. And uh, that's when I got involved in dialectic behavior therapy, which is one of the best evidence-based therapies for borderline personality disorder. And it's helped me out tremendously. It's given me a lot of tools to deal with the stuff that I, that I deal with day to day. And that's also when I started on some medications too. I was put on Lexapro, mm -hmm. which, is a, which is an SSRI. It's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And I'm actually in the middle of tapering off that right now. This is oh, good for you. Yeah, this is the first week where I've instead of doing a full 10 milligram dose, I'm now doing five milligrams a day. And then I think in probably another couple of weeks, I'll be doing it every other day and then every other other day yeah. um, until eventually I'm good. Uh, the main thing, though, is for something like borderline personality disorder, there's not it's not a medication kind of thing. It's not like maybe like a schizophrenia or some of these other ones where it is truly a chemical imbalance. It's, it's more of a, a head disorder. It's a personality disorder. So in going through dialectic behavior therapy, I've learned a lot of great skills such as mindfulness, uh, interpersonal effectiveness, uh, distress tolerance, and emotion regulation. And in my opinion, those are all skills that every human should have, uh, whether you've got some kind of a disorder or not, because it, it'll help you no matter who you are. Yeah. What is personality disorder? So there's a, there's a handful of different personality disorders. Because don't we all have it, like in a way? We could definitely have features of it. You know, there's narcissistic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, histrionic. But for the borderline, it's, I guess I would mostly say, in a nutshell, it's where we ignore our own emotions and then make other people responsible for them. 
and and that's when it's when it is unchecked. And so, can you give have, an example for that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I've actually got a um, a track a symptoms tracker here that I don't use so much anymore. But when I was first working through it, I did it, and so there's uh, a handful of stuff. So uh, I'll just go through them. So efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. So if I'm perceiving any kind of abandonment or to try to get ahead of it, I can behave in such a way to try and, and mitigate that, which sometimes makes things worse. Uh, a pattern of intense and unstable relationships, which is definitely true, uh, which is mostly the function of the other kind of issues here. So I mentioned earlier, distorted and unstable self-image or a sense of self where that can kind of fluctuate even from moment to moment. Uh, because I'll identify with, with something or how I'm feeling. Uh, this is also coupled with impulsive and often dangerous behaviors. It can include self-harming behavior, uh, as well as recurring thoughts of suicidal behaviors or threats. And so it can be really bad. In fact, looking at the statistics, borderlines, the, uh, the, the average rate of a completed suicide is about one in a thousand, but mm. for a borderline, it's one in 10. What? Yeah, it's it's a very high rate of completion there. So is it because uh, the highs and the lows happen so fast you can't catch it on time? Yeah, and then you just try to escape it, try to do anything to get away from it. And if you're going through these these distorted self images or you're feeling abandoned or whatnot, it it can it can absolutely be overwhelming. Uh, and some other symptoms that are included with this is the intense and highly changeable moods. So from minute to minute, even sentence to sentence sometimes I can identify with with many different things there's chronic feelings of emptiness the inappropriate and intense anger or problems controlling anger that's definitely probably my go-to when I'm not understanding how I'm feeling my default is get angry mm -hmm. uh, there's also difficulty trusting sometimes an irrational fear of other people's intentions so uh, even even with Brina she often has to remind me hey I'm on your side wow uh, to just to just remind me that that I can trust, and that's been something that I've been working on developing. And there's also feelings of dissociation or feelings of unreality, where it'll just kind of space out or kind of try to ignore it. So that's a whole hodgepodge wow. of symptoms, and it can make for a really turbulent life if if it's not caught. And I feel super blessed for my my therapists, for my psychiatrists, for the support that I've got from family and at home and, and the outpouring of support from the community that it's okay. And I feel like I've I've made significant improvements in this past year. And the good news about that personality disorder is it can go into remission. So with more focus on you know, the mindfulness and the DBT tools. This is something that I should be able to manage day to day without any problems for the rest of my life. Really? And, uh, hopefully. It's a, it's a matter of just learning habits and being aware. Mindfulness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Paul, don't get angry now. This is the way you should react. It's not personal. It's not abandoned. It's talking your brain through calming yourself down. Yeah, uh, it can be. It, it definitely can be. The one of the things that they teach in in the mindfulness is that we have the the rational mind and the emotional mind, mm -hmm. where the emotional mind is all concerned about the the feelings and data doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the the consequences matter and those kinds of things. And then there's the rational mind, which is which is purely data. Um, there are consequences. There's logic to everything. And what they teach you in the mindfulness module of this is to what to walk what they call the wise mind which is that blend between the emotional and the rational mind 
And because if you live entirely in the emotional mind, that, that's not going to work out. And then also if you live entirely in the rational, in, in the rational mind, it's not going to work out. So walking that middle line, yeah, it is just kind of being mindful of your thoughts and being mindful enough to stop and take a step back, observe what's going on, uh, and then proceeding mindfully from there. And that's the stop skill that they teach. And that's probably one of the most important skills that uh, I've taken out of this, this therapy. And it is as simple as it sounds. You just stop. However, <laughs> theory. Yeah, when, the you're, when you're fuming, it's so hard to stop. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's, it is about being, you know, being mindful and then not giving into those the sense of abandonment or I can't trust you or whatever's going on there. Um, It's, it's interesting. Uh, I guess I feel blessed that it is something that can go into remission and that there is actual train uh, evidence-based therapy for this. Cause even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was still a a personality disorder that really wasn't Mm well-defined and uh, you, you hear all sorts of, of really sad stories of people that, that are borderline, but they get misdiagnosed as, manic depressive or they get misdiagnosed as, you know, schizophrenic or substance abuse disorder or something like that. And they get treatments that don't match what the actual issue is. Um, There's a really interesting book out there called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me, which accurately sums up what it's like to be borderline. And they, they talk about the different pathologies of how it can develop. They talk about the different types of therapy that are out there. Again, DBT being one of the the more popular ones, but there's also some other ones like cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, You can do some EMDR. Uh, There's other schema-based therapies out there, especially for the whole identity piece of it. Uh, And that might be something that I move on to next is that that protocol-based identity one where it's really just reprogramming how you think about, I mean, your identity and your your self-worth and things like that. So... Yeah. Uh, again, 20, 30 years ago, it probably would have been that typical, unfortunate story where there's a really good person that is just consumed by this. And it ultimately ends up with just a really sad and unfulfilled life. Mm-hmm. How did it, why did it take so long to diagnose it for you? I guess I was in denial about it. I thought that it was just a regular therapy kind of thing. I'd been seeing a therapist. I'd been through just a really awful breakup out of a toxic relationship previously. And so that, that kind of exacerbated it. And the, the therapy just wasn't working. I mean, I I recall there'd be times where I, for whatever reason, I'd be crying uncontrollably marching in a circle around like my kitchen Island and Mm -hmm. not understanding why, what's, what are these feelings? Mm Hmm. Uh, and so it wasn't until again, I spent that, I spent that little night in the psych ward where it was really serious. And uh, I still took some encouraging to actually go and face that there's something more than just the normal turmoils and stresses of being a human. Did your parents ever say something to you when you were young? Let's, let's take you to get evaluated. Do you wish they would say it if they didn't? I'm not sure if it would have showed up. In in childhood, usually this is something that onsets in in early adulthood. So if oh. anything, the features of it started showing up in late college. Uh, again, when I was trying to get a job with the with an engineering degree, that the that's what you're told as a child your whole life. You know, go to school, get good grades, and then go to college and get a degree, and then you can get a job. And 
just the hiring process and not being able to find anything was really damaging to, 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 to my own self-worth. And I was looking at that unknown of what happens after graduation. And so that's probably where these things started to really develop. And then it, it took a handful of years before it hit a fever pitch. And I had to accept that I needed more than what I could do myself and that what regular therapy could do for me. Mm-hmm. Cause even myself, I was, it was, you know, we thought it was, it's just an anger management issue. And so right. right. anger management stuff, but it's, it's, it's more than that. You know, right. anger is just one thing to deal with. Sure. You can learn anger management tactics, but if you're, if your sense of self is super fluid or you just have these self-harming tendencies or these recurring thoughts, it anger management doesn't do anything with that. Mm-hmm. Is it something that is hereditary? They do believe that it is something that can be passed through generations. So if a mother's borderline, there's a, there's a decent chance that the child can develop those tendencies or some other kind of personality disorder, which is mostly a function of the, the upbringing itself. There's, a, I think, one of the most fascinating parts of I Hate You, Don't Leave Me was they were talking about pathology of, of how they believe this can happen in childhood, where there's a point in the, you know, the ages of probably like three to five, where there's a separation and an individuation, which means that you realize that I am my own individual and that if, for example, mom walks out of the room, she's not totally annihilated. She's still there. Mm. And when you don't get that kind of reconciliation or you don't get that kind of support, you can develop those, you don't really separate. Yeah. That's where the abandonment can come in. That's that. And you don't fully separate and individualize and and become yourself. Mm. And I don't place any blame on my parents. They were doing the best that they know how to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, hindsight's always 2020 now. So looking at what they could have done. Right can't change the past. That's what happened. And it, it made me where I'm sitting at right now. So right. all we have is now. <laughs> right. So what it keeps on coming to my mind over and over and over, first of all, I'd never met your girlfriend. Is she your girlfriend? Raina, Raina, you call, you call her yeah. your girlfriend? Uh, yeah. Brina's, Brina's fantastic. Brina, Brina. So she yeah. must be like one phenomenal person. But on the other hand, you must bring a lot to the table that she's willing to to work with you on it because it must be very challenging. It's it's absolutely challenging for the relationship. But at the moment, we're technically not even dating. We're we're technically single at the moment, but we do live together and you know we work together, so we do have to to make that happen. But you're absolutely right. She's a an absolutely phenomenal woman that again she was the one that kind of I'm not going to say forced me but she very strongly encouraged go go get yourself evaluated like you you got to do this don't be afraid of that and I've definitely drugged her through the dirt with my own outbursts and you know she's the you know she's developed her own kind of you know she's she's had she suffered with depression through it you know one of the things that borderlands will do is they'll gaslight you real hard uh, and even make you and, and make make somebody doubt their own really? thoughts or their own. Yeah. And, and, and projecting identities too. Uh, and she inadvertently has taken on some of those identities, which, you know, she's working uh, against too, but yes, she's an absolutely fantastic person. And yeah. And, and actually I definitely owe my life to her because she made me commit to staying alive. That's amazing. And I honored that commitment and I will continue to honor that commitment. That's, that's amazing. I, 
but I keep on thinking, what if somebody is already committed, they're married, they have children, and then this happens? How do you stay in love? How do you stay the, with the commitment and not personalize it and not say, uh, and remove yourself and say, okay, it, he has, it's as if he has the flu. It's not personal. He's not sneezing on me because he wants to get me sick, but he's sneezing. He's yelling. He's, he's manic now. Is it even possible in a relationship? It's very, very hard. It, it takes a very strong person to not take the stuff personally because borderlines will get really nasty and really personal about stuff and we will get in your head and we will take advantage of your known weaknesses. Uh, just to, Like a manipulation type of thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that borderlines do is it's called testing. So get these abandonment issues, right? So we'll actually test. For failure. For yeah. failure to say, ah, oh, you see, I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't even, I'm not even aware that I'm doing it. And it's gotten to the point where I've, I've had to, I've proposed four times and, and all four times it's, it hasn't stuck. In fact, the last time it only stuck for two days because apparently as soon as she put that ring on, I was just a total jerk. And you and freaked out? Not necessarily, but that was that unconscious testing. It's like, okay, well, hey, now here's the fiance test. Okay. Are you willing to live with me the way I am, with my insecurities, with my outlashes? Love me the way I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of exactly how it is. It must be painful. It's painful when you do it to somebody you love. It is. It's the, that's the most painful, is doing it to someone you love. Because I see that impact. I'll, you know, you, you'll hear her crying. You'll you know, see the depression, the, the lack of motivation, the just the, the stuff that falls to the wayside, the normal things, you know, hygiene and keeping stuff clean. And I'll do the same too. It's very challenging. And it takes a really strong person who's confident in who they are and what they stand for to, to be able to make it through that. And I will definitely say that Brina is one of the strongest women that I've ever been with. And that's, uh, that's why I love her so much. She's, she sees through all my BS. Wow. She knows who's, who's there. You know, but, so what does she see? She must see a lot of positive because she convinced you to commit to life. She convinced you to get help. She's motivating you. So she must see. So what's the Paul that you're hiding when you go to this place that you don't like? Um, that's a great question. I believe what she sees is the, the strong sense of you know, right and wrong, the, the integrity uh, to being my word and and being accountable to the world and yeah you know, she i mean she sees she sees the the intelligence there she she knows that i can i can get the results and mm-hmm. she knows that deep down i really do care and i think that's what's keeping her around mm-hmm. uh that's just my guess and my speculation which is kind of weird because i'm sitting in this room but she's you know she's right over there on the couch so <laughs> um, well i would love to meet her one day because i think it's it really takes a phenomenal person to stick through it. When you're in the beginning of a relationship, you're not committed yet. As you said, you're not committed. The ring came Mm -hmm. off, right? There was no Mm -hmm. marriage. The engagement was broken. She's really, I feel like she's committed to see a change, to believe in life, which is phenomenal. I don't even think married people can go through it without having a breakdown. Am I correct? Well, yeah, it's super common for for borderline marriages to dissolve into just divorce and all sorts of terrible things. And it's not from hate. 
it's from pain. It, right. Yeah. It's not necessarily from hate. It, it, it's from that pain. It's not knowing how to react or how to deal with, with my own feelings. In fact, something that's been really interesting that I've learned lately is that humans can have more than one emotion at one time. Did you know that? Um, I actually was talking about it today because I was very sad today about a family tragedy that we went through. We had a loss in our family. And at the Sorry, same time, it. yeah, a baby died and, um, and another baby is struggling. There was twins that were born and one is struggling for the life. One died and, and the extreme pain that we're going through while we also have the extreme happiness. My daughter's graduating. Um, success with something and it's together and and you're so mixed up like how can i feel so much gratitude when i'm feeling so much pain mm -hmm. absolutely and with with borderlines we we have black and white thinking it's it's either one or the other that that gray area is really really hard to be in and so when i'm feeling multiple emotions it's usually whatever the strongest one is and that's what i'm going to go ahead and identify with and so a really handy tool that we've used recently is is an emotion wheel and if things are getting rough or i'm not sure how i'm feeling i'll just pull it out and say okay well i'm feeling you know sad and the subset of that of you know mm. disappointed or you know whatnot and it's really wild to see how at any point in time i might even be feeling 10 emotions at once and that's that's not that that's a normal human thing to be to, to feel multiple emotions at once. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of one of those gray areas that I still struggle with being a borderline. It's getting better identifying it because um, there's there's anger, but then there's many subsets of that. What kind of anger is it? Mm -hmm. uh, and so being able to identify, well, I'm not just angry. It's, you know, I'm I feel betrayed mm -hmm. or I'm feeling bitter or I'm feeling let down. These are all kind of subsets of, right. of the, the anger emotion. And it's, again, it's really interesting for me. I'm 33 years old and it took me this long to realize you can have more than one emotion at once and that's okay. In fact, that's part of the human condition. It's a normal thing. Right. Do you suffer from depression or is it something else completely? Like depression is not part of personality disorder, borderline personality disorder. It, it can definitely be part of it. It can, it can lead to depression if you're not aware of it. And uh, there's definitely been times where, you know, I don't want to get out of bed or I'm sleeping all the time. In fact, I was concerned last week because uh, on, you know, most of the days I was actually sleeping until noon. And it wasn't necessarily that I was like staying out super late or anything like that. I just kind of wasn't feeling it. So the, the good news is I've done a lot of independent study of, of success. Mm -hmm. You know, stuff like thinking grow rich and right. power now. And I've actually, and also goal setting is, is super important. Uh, right over here on my wall, I've got a 20-year plan, which then breaks down into the five-year plan. Mm -hmm. And then uh, then I've got my monthly goal sheet here. Right. And everything all kind of rolls up. And another thing is affirmations. Mm -hmm. And on most mornings, I try to program my brain with what those affirmations are. And... Usually affirmations, I'll give you a cool little pro tip for that. So usually affirmations are, are an identity statement. You know, I am, you know, I am an automated experience designer and my expertise is recognized worldwide. Well, what's super cool, Matana, is that when you say somebody's name, they listen more intently mm -hmm. than, than they normally would. If you notice, I actually just did that. Right, right. It perks up a little bit. So the other thing to be aware of is when you're talking to yourself, it's not first person. 
it, it's always a second person. Hey, well, good job, dummy. You did that. Or, Hey, you did a great job, Paul. Mm. So what I did is I actually have, I, I guess what I'm saying, hacked affirmations to where they all start with a Paul, you statement. So Paul, you enjoy being a loving, intimate partner. Mm -hmm. Paul, you have integrity. Paul, you are a voice for the heavy metal community. Mm -hmm. And I, I say those out loud three times and that kind of programs my brain for the day. And what's cool is the latest affirmation actually goes from second person to, to first person. It says, Paul, you are in charge of how you feel. And today I feel oh, whatever. Wow. Use that possibility. We've actually got a little book of possibilities. And every morning, that's, that's one of our morning rituals is choosing a possibility. Right. That's something that we learned. We went through uh, the landmark worldwide education, right. which is the study of ontology. And there's a lot of them out there. And in their advanced course, they teach you how to, from nothing, create yourself as a possibility. Right. And so we do that every morning. Right now, from nothing, who I am as a possibility is esteem. And I've actually got it written on my, I mean, it's kind of rubbed off a little bit today. Oh, wow. but I write it on my hand every day. Oh, really? And, it's a visual and, reminder for you through the day. Mm -hmm. and, and if I'm ever kind of feeling lost, you know, am I showing up as esteem? Or uh, I forgot what I was yesterday. It changes day to day. Uh, no, yesterday I was the possibility of, man, it was. I love uh, this exercise. I was the possibility wow. of productivity because I wasn't really feeling it. Right. I wasn't really excited to get to work. We were like, you know what, Paul, you're in charge of how you feel. And today I feel productive. Wow. And it was a reasonably productive day. So just choosing your possibility. And the cool thing is all we have is now. And all we have is now. And all we have is now. Life is just a series of moment to moment. So at any point in time, you can choose, I'm going to be productive. And right. you show up as that. Because time actually works reverse to what most people think. Most people think that time goes from past to present to future, but it's actually the opposite. It goes from the future, projecting back into the present and then into the past. So you create yourself in the future, which causes you to show up how you are now, mm -hmm. which then generates the results you have from your past. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really interesting. Uh, and, that, and I believe that's why it works so well to choose your possibility because then that's how you can show up, that, that you show up through that possibility into the now. And then that gives you the results that you produce. I feel like every person should do this in the beginning of the morning. You know, sometimes we go through so much in order to, to learn a brilliant tidbits that they should be teaching in school for anyone. This is brilliant. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think it's super powerful. And I've started to share some of these little, I mean, I, they're not really life hacks. They're more, it's just how I believe the world works and it works for me. Yeah. And so that's, I want to share what works for me with other folks. Mm -hmm. Which is phenomenal. And that's what I feel paying it forward. We learn from others, we evolve, we pay it forward. And, mm -hmm. and we're very passionate about it because we know that how hard the struggle it is to get through a day can be so, so hard. And you say, sometimes you wake up at 12. I remember having the days that I didn't wake up. I don't like I didn't want to I, I realized it was evening and I didn't leave my bed besides to go to the bathroom and I was feeling so hard on myself mm -hmm. instead of giving love and compassion and saying okay I tried the best I can with mm -hmm. the tools that I had I tried the best I can mm -hmm. in fact there's that reminds me of two 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 really awesome things that I've learned so my, my father is a huge influence on me very deep spiritual kind of guy, not necessarily religious, but he just has a very deep understanding of the world and how it works. And, and he taught me that there's a great affirmation that says every day and every way I'm getting better and better. 
And so yeah. especially going through this, this borderline recovery, it's little baby steps and just making sure, Hey, you know, am I not getting, you know, so like, for example, the self-harming and, and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that, that hasn't been there for a really long time now. Right. Which I'm super happy with because those are such hard thoughts to struggle with. And right. so now it's like, all right, well, am I not having emotional outbursts throughout the day? Am I, am I being mindful? And I don't always do that every day and it's getting better though. Um, and then the second thing that reminds me of is something that our yoga teacher talks about a lot. I, I try to do a yin yoga session, which is the more, the slower restorative mm-hmm. kind of yoga. It's not the active. Yeah. Being yoga. present. Mm-hmm. And she says the, oh man, I hope I don't butcher it. It's have the courage to love yourself more than you think you deserve to be loved. Wow. And then love yourself 10% more than that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to write this in. I think we need to write these in big letters in the show notes because it's so true. We're our biggest doubt. Mm -hmm. We're our biggest critics. Yeah. Because we know what's going on in our head. It takes courage to love yourself. It takes courage to wake up and take a shower. It takes Uh, courage to eat breakfast. Oh, yeah. You know know that you should be doing it. It takes takes courage to go like, I'm I'm not really... uh, a breakfast kind of person. I've always kind of been like that. I just want to get it done and out of the way and out with my day. So I, I have a protein shake every morning. Mm-hmm. And right. even as simple as that is to the, the two, three minutes it takes to right. pour some powder and right. throw some almond milk in it, I don't always do it. Absolutely. But that's part of loving yourself is is honoring those commitments and honoring those habits. And that's something that uh, I've realized lately is our, our life is a function of our habits. If you look at what you do in your day-to-day, most of it is a habit. It really is. Right. Uh, upon waking, you go to the restroom, you brush your teeth, take a shower, you walk the dog. When that's done, you come and feed the animals. Right. And then, you know, and in your case with kids, you got to feed the kids too, you know, get them off to school, whatever. Right. There's very few things in our day that are not some kind of a habit. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I've learned recently is there's different recency to those habits. And so you have, of course, your daily habits, you have weekly habits, you've got your monthly habits, quarterly, annual habits, and then you have your ad hoc habits, the things that happen as needed. And what I've discovered is the further the recency out is, the more important that habit is, at least from the standpoint of of consequences and impact. Mm -hmm. So we have an annual habit to pay our taxes. It's something that you do once a year, and if you don't do that, there's a huge consequence. Right. Whereas if I wake up and I decide not to shower for a day, I just kind of stink a little more. That right. <laughs> My hair gets a little little greasier. It's someone else's consequence. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so I've actually got... Um, I mean, I've, I've been really trying to get back and I got habit trackers for like, I got my daily habits of what I'm trying to do. You can see I haven't really wow. been doing well with those. And then I also have the weekly habit trackers for the house because wow. they're stuff to do weekly, like, um, you know, scoop the cat boxes three times a week, uh, get the mail once a week, right. do the laundry once a week, make sure the kitchen's clean, that kind of stuff. Do, do meal prep and food shopping once a week on, on Sunday. We'll and you shop. wrote that down because you don't remember to do it? It's not that I don't remember to do it. It's because I want to be accountable to it. Mm-hmm. I want to have the data that says, listen, you haven't been going to the gym. I mean, looking at looking at, at June so far, I have worked out, done some physical activity 
twice this month. Right. That that stinks for me to say, and that's what's so. That's what the data says. Right. Um, the other thing too is when I was uh, tracking the the BPD habits daily, those could actually telegraph if I was going to have a breakdown or not. Oh. So some days would be good, but then if I noticed that I got hit with like seven or eight symptoms in one day, wow! More than likely, that next day I was at a risk for a breakdown. Wow! A really bad day, uh, and there's definitely a correlation. Like when I don't eat regularly and when I don't sleep regularly, I notice that the other habits fall off. The house doesn't right. get cleaned every day right. like it should. Um, you know, work doesn't get started on time. Stuff That's just so interesting. Back. That's very interesting. And it's mm-hmm. such a good tool to have. It's, as you said, it's data. It and, is. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's not that I don't remember it. In fact, I, I originally made it a, an acronym. The, the, the acronym is SHAMPED. You know, did I sleep? Did I do hygiene? Did I do activity? Did I meditate? Did I take my medication? Did I take care of the pets? Did I eat? Did I dream journal and did I do my domestic chores? Mm-hmm. And even that wasn't necessarily enough. Like I knew what I needed to do and the tracking of it was, was really important. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, it works for me. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an analytical, I'm a data guy. And right, data, right. kind of stuff drives Brina nuts because that's just like a little too, just what it just doesn't work for her. And, right. and that's okay. It works for me. And it, it's been a great tool to be able to look at, you know, my effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's also good for establishing habits. Like I, I really want to be meditating every day and I haven't been. Right. And I need to find out at what point in the day, really it's what's the trigger. What is my trigger to meditate? So like uh, every morning you got to walk the dog and if you don't, he's going to let you know. So mm-hmm. upon walking back into the house, that is my trigger to make sure that the cats have enough food and water downstairs. Mm-hmm. That's the trigger to feed them. And then that's the trigger for me to, to, to choose my possibility to, to take a little bit of ACV uh, every morning and take my meds and choose a possibility. Right. Um, so you have a system in place that works for you to keep mm-hmm. you not falling off track and not mm-hmm. having a relapse, which is so important. And it's, it's admirable that you actually are putting so much focus and dedication to it because it takes, it takes persistence it takes time. It could be annoying. It could be frustrating. But the fact that you're doing it just shows how much you want to improve. Well, yeah, I don't ever want to go back to that. Like, uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't like tooting my horn. You know, I try to be really humble, but I know what I'm doing. And I know that I can provide a lot of value. I know that if you give me a thousand dollar in ad spend, I could probably turn that at least into two grand or more right. in revenue. In. Right. And I sit and I think about that. I'm like, man, how am I how am I in the state that I'm at financially if I have all these skills? And I know that it's because at an individual personal level, I'm not operating at maximum efficiency. So there's no way that professionally I can operate at maximum efficiency. Yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting back to it. It's, uh, it's, it's really, it's so fascinating. I think I learned so much today i have a few more questions i don't know if you have to run do you have time no i've got i got all the time in the world okay. actually well technically i've only got one more hour because okay. i've got a weekly guest spot on an internet radio show oh cool uh, and i i it's for it's a heavy metal show i wanted to I, say was it metal <laughs> it is it is but it's a it's a segment that people I call, don't know that it's your first love 
I'm not sure what is your first love, metal or data or or sequences. I'm not sure. Oh man, my first well, music is is absolutely my first love. In fact, that's why I became an electrical engineer in the first place, and that's why I only have one tattoo. It's it's the Apex Twin symbol. Yeah, he's this this extremely gifted electronic music artist and I discovered his music in high school and I said you know what I want to go to school to make stuff that makes sounds and I figured electrical engineering was the way to do it and and I was right and uh so music is definitely a huge love and then the the whole sequencing and whatnot uh, I love it because I've realized in the past couple years I'm I'm really just building marketing circuits or or sales circuits or operations circuits you're just piecing you know this element with this element and boom you put people into it and this comes out just like when you have some resistors on a circuit board, you put this voltage in and you, you know, you're going to get this voltage out. And I guess that's Good how it. I, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's honestly just the, the, the doing it all the time. I right. didn't wake up good like this. I mean, if you look at some of the, the early sequences that I did with Infusionsoft back in 2008, it's it's like wow this this guy didn't yeah he it, it, it kind of works but there's so many things you could do better and even now I'll look back at campaigns that I built one two years ago and I'll be like man that's not that efficient I could we could do it better this way or this messaging could be better or whatever right. the case is right but it's like anything we do we can look back and say I I it's also with myself I I work with an EFT guy now um, on traumas and improving some stuff. I'm always trying out different healers, uh, methods. It's never, people are like, you have so many healers and stuff. I said, yeah, you graduate and you go to the next one and you go to, I'm very curious. So I'm working with an EFT guy now. And one of the things I'm working on is not living in the past. How could I have not done this? Like, how could I have not known? Like, that was me. That's what I said. That's what I acted like. But it's something, and he keeps on telling me that you're no different than anybody else. We, mm-hmm. we right away, we love going to that dark place in ourselves in the past instead of living in the present moment and just being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as humans, we are meaning-making machines. And we had to develop like that. Back when we were cavemen folk, we had to make meaning out of things because it was literally a life or death situation in some cases. You know, this, this this footprint track in the bushes means that there's a tiger there. So I better not go there. I'm going to go ahead and get mauled. Well, that doesn't necessarily serve us in the modern day. And, and the human, the, the physiology of the brain hasn't changed in the 2 million years or so that we've been modern homo sapiens. So we are literally meaning making machines and that doesn't mean anything. That's just how we're wired. And that's kind of the cosmic joke is that, you know, life is, empty and meaningless because life is empty and meaningless. And the only meaning is that which we apply to it. Exactly. And so that's why it's so easy to get pulled in the past because there's what happened. And then there's the story that we make about it. And right. you start to get into problems when we collapse what happened with right. your story. Right. And even that in itself is a skill being able to acknowledge what happened. Here's what I made it mean. And then getting off of that. Listen, hey, that's just the meaning that I made. You know, just because she said whatever to me, you know, this means that I'm a bad boyfriend or whatnot. No, she said this because she said this. Right. And that's it. And all I have is this moment now. And then that's where choosing the future and the possibility that you are is, is so powerful. It helps ground you in the now and remind you of what's causing you, if that makes sense. Is I know we're starting to get deep in head. Yeah, yeah. So is that like, like a permission to forgive somebody that says... 
bad words to you because it's basically we're not analyzing where it came from. It's just a word and, and moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Forgiveness is a huge part of it. I know that I struggled really hard after my last relationship to forgive myself for being in such a toxic environment. Mm -hmm. And once I finally forgave myself for that uh, and for, my, for, for that partner, things got a little, a little better, a little easier. Um, right. There wasn't so much ruminating on things. There wasn't so much hatred towards it. And yes, I still you know, slip back into that every once in a while. You're right, though. It is really kind of about that forgiveness. Yeah. And and being in the now, you know, turning the other cheek is, is as they teach in theology. Right, which is hard. Can I ask you why you decided to try to get off your medication? I've been on Lexapro for I was back in the day uh, when I first started. I my my psychiatrist put me on clonopin for panic attacks and Lexapro. Um, I was on Lexapro twenty ten in the morning, ten at night. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And by the way, I was sleeping through the day and that's why I decided I wanted to get off of it because I realized I'm, I'm getting better in my head, but I'm not productive in the day because I was just so lethargic. So after two years, I decided to get off of it, but I felt stronger and I went to therapy. I went to meditation. I did a, a yoga every day. I did my, my work to get off of it, but how do you feel so sure that you can get off of it? Because it's not so long. No, no, it's it's only been about a year. And it says usually they, they try to keep you on for about a year. Or so I I just don't like the whole pharmaceutical aspect of it. I'm not sure what the long-term effects are. Um, it doesn't really impact my day-to-day -day necessarily. It really just kind of gives me a little bit of a longer fuse uh, because it's a mood stabilizer. You know, it's just right. it's amping up your serotonin a little more than it right. normally would. I, I, I just don't want it. I just don't want that. I don't want that fixed expense to, you know, every month pay, you know, whatever I think it's nine bucks or something for, you know, for this jar of pills. I don't, I don't need that anymore. And I believe that with the DBT tools that I've got, I'm, I won't need it. Wow. And it's entirely possible that I might, you know, we'll see. And uh, I have another meeting with uh, my psychiatrist in you know, a month, you know, just about a month from now to see how things are going. And there is a withdrawal that he like it does you will feel a little bit in the beginning mm -hmm. it takes time to get used to that edginess and the frustration and and samantha spoke about it samantha bennett spoke. Oh, i love sam bennett she's yeah. fantastic so she was on the show and she was talking about i think she takes wilbutrin which is the sister to lexapro mm -hmm. um, i was on both i switched between them thinking that maybe i'll sleep less but i was sleeping just as much and gaining weight just as much on both of them and I just needed my mind back. I felt like I was in a cloud. And she speaks about like, she's not, she, she was very, for years she's on it. And she didn't even want to try to get off of it because she, it was her, her anchor. But now she's saying maybe there's something else in the pharmaceutical world that can help that's less with a side effect. But you, I, I give so much, I, I'm, I'm in awe of you that you're willing to try after a year because that's not a long time at all. No, no, it, it's not. And again, I just don't believe that I need to constantly be on it. But we'll, we'll see what the data says. You know, if I, you know, after I fully taper off, if I start having recurrence of the BPD symptoms or whatnot, I, I might have to go on it again. And then the psychiatrist is saying they usually do like a three strikes kind of thing. So like if you if you're on it and then you taper off and it gets bad and you get back on it again and taper off and it gets bad. That's usually when they're like, all right, you know, this, this just is going to have to be something that you do daily um, forever. 
I don't believe that it's that bad. I've actually got uh, uh, there's it's so interesting when you're when you're authentic about what you're dealing with. People come out of the woodwork with yeah. Oh yes. That too. I've I've got a handful of friends in the in the in the local community that have borderline uh, that are borderlines, and some of them have way worse symptoms than me. You know, my my good buddy Derek. I love the guy. Uh, super talented musician. Um, he has it. Uh, I mean, it gives him really bad anxiety and panic attacks to the point where, you know, sometimes he can't even be at a show right. if the room's too crowded. Right. And, you know, my symptoms aren't necessarily that, that much of magnitude. That's actually one of the, I hate you don't leave me, one of the things they're saying that's going to be the next level of the DSM is the dimensionality of it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, just because somebody has self-harming behavior, you know, it can be like a zero to 10 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I believe that a lot of the symptoms are, are on the lower end of the dimensionality compared to some of the others. It's just, it's really high. And, and in some weird way, I want to be a voice for that. Yeah, exactly. Is he on medication? Yeah, he's, he's definitely on, on medications for that. Sure. And, uh, uh, definitely, you know, some more intense ones than myself. And he's the, he's a, he's a type of dude that he might need it for the rest of his life just because he does have, you know, he does have really intense symptoms. Again, I feel blessed that I've got it. But I really think it's because I've I have done all that other the the, the success training and learning you know of affirmations and things like that that I think it it gives me a little bit more of an advantage than than the average borderline. Definitely not saying that I'm better than them or anything else. I just I have a little I have I have some more tools than the average person that's borderline might have. Uh, and also it's not it's not something that I've been dealing with for like decades of one now where it's just been terrible. Right. It was really just bad for a few years like really bad, you know? Yeah. I've always had my emotional outbursts and whatnot, but as far as being like really bad and really depressed and, and really, you know, self-harming that, that only lasted for a few years before I kind of started turning it around. Right. What would you tell somebody that's listening to this podcast and saying, Oh my gosh, maybe I have personality disorder. How do they get tested? Uh, well, the first thing I'd say is don't make yourself wrong for it. If, if that's what you're dealing with, that's what you're dealing with. And you don't have to suffer through that. Uh, go ahead and reach out to, uh, I mean, I don't know where different people are at, but go find some place to get a psych, a psych evaluation. Go see if what you're dealing with is actually a real thing, or maybe it's just the normal ups and downs of being a human. And also don't be afraid too. There was definitely some fear in, I think that a lot of fear was a lot of what held me back from getting treatment for so long and really being authentic with myself that listen to you've got something more than the average bear here that you can't deal with on your own. Cause I was worried about, I mean, I was worried about the medications. I was worried about the, you know, how that would impact work. I, I was worried about how that was going to impact my reputation, how it's going to impact my relationships mm-hmm. and the, the the cosmic joke is almost that those things only get worse if you don't deal with it. Exactly. So you have to be brave enough to say there's something going on here. I'm going to be a stand for my own health and well-being, and I'm going to find out what's up. Mm. And then throw yourself into it fully. Whatever treatments are out there, throw yourself into it as much as you can. Try and learn as much as you can about it. I'm definitely guilty of not learning as much about it as I can. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Verena's done more research on, on BPD than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but throw yourself into it. Know that it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's 21st century. There's a lot of other people out there that are going to be sharing similar things. 
And so you're not alone. Also, you'll probably be surprised at the outpouring of love from the community. Because I'm sure that people see that you're in pain or that you're dealing with something. They just don't know what's going on necessarily. So when you say, listen, this is what I'm dealing with. That gives your friends and family something to work with. They can do their own research. They can have a little more compassion. It's not just, oh, you have emotional outbursts. No, this this is an actual symptom of it. This is a a legit pathology that you've got. As scary as it might be, the almost probable certain future of not taking action is that it just gets worse. Right. And if you love yourself, if you love your friends and family, do it. I mean, if anything, do it for them. Right. And eventually you'll learn to love yourself in the way that you need to. So that way you're doing it for yourself now. Right. And you'll learn to accept it. So a lot of people listen and they say, oh, but I don't have money to go to a therapist. I don't have money to go to a psychiatrist. I don't have money for the meds. I don't have money for yoga. I, one of my pay it forward is I was so blessed that I was able to spend a lot of money, a lot. I always tell my therapist that I probably bought them a house on some island, but I was blessed that I was able to spend this money, but so many people don't have it. So what would you recommend? What's the first step that's financially responsible that anybody can do, even if you don't have a bank account that can support it? Don't use that as an excuse. Mm. I mean, I, you know, when I took that little ambulance ride to the psych ward and whatnot, that ended up being like a $900 ambulance ride, then like wow. a $1,500 doctor bill, and then like that. And then the, the hospital wanted to charge me like five grand or something for that one night. I was able to wow. write a letter into their finance department and get that, take it down. But even those, even those debts, like I, I still have those. Wow. Don't use that as an excuse. I love that answer. I love that answer. Thank you. you Money is not everything. You're welcome. Money is literally just a tool. Go do it. If you go get a psyche bell and you've got like, even if you have to put it on a credit card, do it. If you have to ask somebody for it, like do it. If I mean, there's 10 people for a little bit and yeah, Mm -hmm. you have to work it off somehow. Yeah. Go for it. Like don't use money as an excuse. That's probably the dumbest reason I can think of for people not taking care of their own mental health. And it's, and I understand it's a fear driven kind of thing. You know, we don't want more debt, you know, where finances might be all over the place already. Which can be a a cause of part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially with impulsive behavior, you know, bad spending and stuff like that. But the, (laughs) what is going to happen if you don't do anything with it? Worst case scenario, you're probably going to end up dying. Right. You might take some others with you. Um, And then that's your legacy. Right. Uh, and it's and that that's so that that's always what I've found so tragic about suicide is you you know someone like Robin Williams this amazing man had all these gifts gave us so many beautiful parts right that the culture is zeitgeist and that's all people are gonna remember before he killed himself unfortunately he did all this stuff but yep he offed himself like that's um, it's a it's a temporary pardon me, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Wow. So don't use money as an excuse. Get the I, help. I cannot believe that that was the last thing I would, if you gave me to guess what you're going to say, <laughs> I wouldn't, but it's so simple. I thought you were going to say go on the internet, look for a support group, uh, yeah. ask a friend, 
um, I don't know, I asked for a freebie for I in my wildest dreams. And it's so true, so profound. I thank you. It was a uh, wow. That was, I think, the best part of the show for me. <laughs> One last question before we go. What does hope mean to you as somebody that struggles and sees darkness sometimes and 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 when you're in a state of bleak, you can hardly feel hope. So what does hope mean to you? Hope, that's a great question. So I guess hope is, actually hope is almost kind of like the def, a definition of faith. It's faith is, being, faith is being certain of what you hope for. No, rather, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Mm. So it's, it's being clear on what you want and being with that unknown of how it's going to happen. Can you repeat that again? (laughs) Yeah. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I'd say hope is the same kind of thing. Hope is being being sure of what you want Mm -hmm. and certain of what you don't see. So if you're having a really bad day, you're in the middle of some binge or, or whatever the case is, you know that you want to clean up your act get back and work, you know, get your family going. And you don't know what that looks like. That's okay. One of that was, that was a really important lesson that my buddy will taught me in college is you have to learn to be with the unknown Mm -hmm. because there's so much of it. So hope to me is being clear on what you want and being clear that there is an unknown and that that's okay. Be focused on what you want and the world will help you figure it out. So it basically saying have a dream and hold on to it when things don't look good. Mm-hmm. I like that for somebody that believes in the secret big time mm-hmm. and and lives it and practice it. I really, really, really like that. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul, you you don't know how much this episode was. Wow, so many nuggets, and I think you <laughs> you you can't imagine how many lives you're going to help and improve just by coming on here because people will get tested or people will have compassion to their loved ones that, well, maybe they'll understand, oh, this is what they're going through. It's not them. It's the, it's the sickness. And, and just the tips of what you're giving are phenomenal. So thank you very, very much for joining us. You're, you're very welcome. I, I would love for you to come down the sh- like three, four months down the line and tell me how it went with getting off the meds. I would yeah. love to hear. Let's do it. Let, let's absolutely schedule a follow up yeah. here. And speaking to just one more tip I want to give for anybody yes. out there that, that is diagnosed borderline, definitely read the book. I hate you. Don't leave me. It'll, it'll help you understand a lot about yourself and buy the book. Stop walking on eggshells. It's, <gasps> what is it's, that? It's one of the only books that is written for family and friends of somebody with BPD. Mm. And so it actually gives them tools to understand how to be with you. Um, and that's something that, again, that Marina ate that up and it's helped her out a lot. Uh, and that's a book that I need to get to next. But there, again, there's not a whole lot of stuff out there. There's plenty of stuff out there for the person that is borderline. There's mm-hmm. almost nothing for the for family. For the support. Get Stop Walking on Eggshells. It'll it'll definitely transform the relationship and it's, it's well worth the, you know, whatever $10, $20 investment. Is it um, something that talks about codependency a little bit, how not to be? Mm-hmm. It yeah. talks about all of that. Mm. The, you know, how to not be codependent, how to not give into the identities that they try to project on you, how to, how to set boundaries. Mm. Yeah, that's a really important one for borderlines. We really try and test those boundaries. And so giving them frameworks to like, Hey, if X, 
then why is the consequence and, and being able to hold to that and being able to, to, to survive through the, 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 the abuse and the, the, the verbal barrages and, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah, that's Interesting. not walking on eggshells. And uh, I hate you don't leave me. Fantastic books. Where can people find you? So if people want to get in contact with me, send me a message. You can just go to facebook.com slash under the hair. That's my public figure page on Facebook. I'm also all over LinkedIn. Just search Paul Sokol, S-O-K-O-L. And uh, if you're the, the businessy kind of type like, you know, you and I are, you can right. go to paulsokol.me and you can sign up for my under the hair email newsletter. I don't send it out super regularly because I, I really want to make sure that it's, it, that it's, it, that's overvaluable. Right. And so maybe once a month or so, uh, I'll send you a really juicy email. Like, I don't know if you saw the last one or if, are, are you even on that list, Matana? Do you? No. Okay. Well, you, you should sign up. Cause, and, and when you do let me know, cause the last issue was, it was 10 annual CRM habits. Wow. Uh, and just 10 things that you can do across the entire stack of your business through the context of your CRM to make sure that it's nice and clean and that you're on top of stuff. Hmm. Okay. Definitely. I, I'm going to ask Ari if he's on it. I'm going to ask him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So the hair part is your haircut, your long hair. Yeah. Under the hair. That's okay. uh that's, that's part of my brand. That's yeah. actually something the community yeah. gave me. I was yeah. like, Hey, what should I call this thing? They're like, call it under the hair. And I loved it. Yeah. And so that's kind of become the brand now. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, thank you very much for joining us and thank you for giving us extended time more than the usual, but it was such, um, so, so interesting to me. So I appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you soon again. Yes, absolutely. If you're ever in Phoenix, give me a shout. We'll go, we'll go get lunch or something. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.